Okay, let me talk to the women for a second because I know you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever spent time cleaning out your closet and you take all of your valuable clothes that you spent good money on and you haul that stuff to your local consignment store or a store like Plato's Closet or Clothes Mentor and you're excited for how much money they're going to give you? And then suddenly the wind has been taken out of your sails when they want to offer you like $3 for your $180 J. Crew blazer or $5 for that $250 coach bag. Yeah, I've experienced that a time or 12. Well, what if there was a way to clean out your closet and get what the items are actually worth and also get new stuff sent right to your doorstep? Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show's all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader, or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Janet Wu and Aaron Wold, the founders of Silk Roll, a genius startup that is essentially a fashion exchange program for high-end clothing and accessories. Really, I was so excited for this interview, and I'm so pumped about what Silk Roll is doing. You can actually tell how excited I am throughout the entire interview. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Janet and Aaron. Hey, Aaron and Janet. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Hi, Molly. Hi. Good to be here. I'm so excited. I was just telling you guys before we started recording that I watched your promo video for Silk Roll, which I, for the listeners, I will have that promo video in the show notes because it's so great. And I was immediately <laughs> like, these gr- I, I want to be best friends with Aaron and Janet. And that's number one. And two, you guys are just, you seem so fun. And Everything about what you guys are doing seems so exciting. So I want to I want the listeners to hear all about it because yeah, I was I was I was on the team after watching that video. <laughs> <laughs> so um to kick it off, I want to have you guys do what I have all my guests do, and that's give us the Aaron and the Janet 101. So whoever wants to start, um just tell me tell us your story and you know where you know, kind of how you got to start it and where all the things that took you to where you are today. Okay. All right. Hi, Molly. So this is Janet. I'll start first. Um, it's going to be a long story. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, let's see. I was born in China and I grew up um, there until I was 11 when I moved to uh, London, the UK, um, because my parents were expats at oh, the yeah. time. And uh, I grew up and I went to middle school, high school, college and uh, graduated. And, uh, you know, at the time I went in and started my career as an investment banker. I had a lot of influence from my parents um, who are both from the finance world. And I thought, you know, at the time, this is a great way to make some money early on when you're young. And, uh, you know, I've been a student for all my life, I just want to, you know, be able to have like a good income. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really like one of the key motivations. And also, you know, there was something that I know that my parents wanted me to do um, and approved of, you know, being Chinese. There was also that sort of sense of, you know, I want to, you know, be obedient. I want to sort of like get their approval. I want to have their validation. Mm-hmm. So I went in, um, you know, and just became pretty good at what I was doing. Uh, uh, And I kept on and I continued, uh, you know, doing that for 10 years. 
And yeah. during these 10 years, you know, my, my, my work and my life took me all over the world. Um, I ended up uh, transitioning from London to Singapore, then from Singapore to Hong Kong. Um, I mostly worked in the debt capital market side of the business, and I traveled literally all over the world, plenty of times in the, to the U.S. with my clients, helping them, you know, issue debt mm-hmm. in the international capital markets. Yeah. So, um, you know, I helped over 50 clients, it's probably over, issue over $30 billion worth of debt with wow. our execution team, of course, over the course of uh, my career. It was around my 30th birthday, you know, one of those moments where I one day I just sort of sat down and, and went, wait a minute, do I want to continue doing this for the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. And what else is really out there in the world? You know, I went into the industry not as, oh, this is my passion, but as you know, I could learn a lot of stuff. It's a good way to make money. Uh, but, you know, at that time, I was getting really curious. And, you know, like my hands started itching as to, well, what is really the purpose of my life? You know, I could really do more than this, I think. So I decided to take a sabbatical and travel to South America. Yeah. And spend six months out there um, just doing what I really love, which is adventure traveling. I went to some really remote places Um, in the world and really got to see how the locals lived and, you know, um, and their sort of livelihood habitats, their culture and history. And one of the things, things I took back with me as a result of that trip was really how our environment has really changed in the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And the type of impact it had on, uh, local, you know, livelihood, um, you know, biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I was in the deep Amazons in Brazil, and I heard so many stories of how the Amazon is not what it used to be even just 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I'm a scuba diver, and I, you know, dove into some amazing uh, oceans uh, around the world. And every scuba diving instructor would tell me, you know, when I started out 10 years ago, it wasn't like this. We had way more fish, way more marine life, way more corals than what we have now. So with all of that, you know, it suddenly occurred to me, our environment is really changing faster than we think. And we're, you know, as most of us who live in large metropolitan areas, we're not, you know, day to day, we're not really connected to these impacts. Yeah. Right. Because for us, you know, living in the city, we don't get to see that. So I came back and really started, you know, what I really wanted to contribute towards, I realized is that I want to, I want to help with like the whole concept of sustainability, whether it's environmental sustainability or social, you know, sustainability, um, and how can we help the local communities in sustaining their, you know, their ways of living? And I networked with the local um, impact investment community. This was back in Hong Kong mm-hmm. when I used to work there. And I lended myself a role with a clean tech startup. Um, their name is One Earth Designs. Um, they design solar cookers. Yeah. And it was also, it was, you know, it started also, it was a passion project by the founders who wanted to change the way that biomass fuel were used mm-hmm. um, and how toxic it was. 
and to bring really like clean cooking methods to local communities. I thought it was a great cause. I joined them. And uh, that was really the reason that took me, that brought me over to San Francisco because the company pivoted their, their business model and it went from a product that was selling to the developing countries to uh, selling it to the U.S. So I, when I came out here, you know, a lot of things changed. You know, my lifestyle changed, the climate changed, uh, my job changed. I was no longer a banker. Yeah. No longer needed all the fancy suits and dresses that I used to wear. And, uh, you know, what I noticed was that 90% of my closet became pretty much obsolete. Yeah. I didn't have any use to any of my high-end wardrobe. And I, you know, was listening to a panel talk about the sharing economy at a conference in San Francisco. And that's when it hit me. It's like, what if I could share my things, right, that I spent really good money for, but no longer want, and share with people, you know, women out there who actually would want them. Yeah. And retain the value of it so I don't have to go out and spend a ton of money getting a new closet for myself. That was really like where the idea of Silk Road came from. You know, I wanted to create a digital exchange for um, high-end women's fashion, right? High-quality fashion that um, allow people to use a point system to retain the value and rotate their closet and recirculate their closets easily. So, um, you know, when I first started, I, I was on my own. I didn't really know exactly where to go <laughs> from here. I wasn't, a, I didn't have a technical background as well. And I wanted to build this to be a tech platform. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, my, I had a lot of experience and expertise in business in finance strategy and all of that, but I never really did much operations either. Yeah. So this is, you know, perfect timing. And I met Aaron, um, on the 4th of July at a barbecue. It was my first ever <laughs> your barbecue first, Your in first barbecue. <laughs> Those are staples in America. Yeah. Everybody does the 4th of July barbecue. <laughs> And there were fireworks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I met Erin. I shared my vision with her about I have this idea to actually bring sustainability, maybe, you know, to the fashion industry and to create this massive sharing closet amongst women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where sort of the first conversation initiated. So at that yeah. time... Um, I had been living in San Francisco when Jen and I met, I had been living in San Francisco for about three years and, um, I was living there because, um, a company that I, I had helped start, um, had moved me out there and they had moved me out there from Florida where I was living before San Francisco. And, um, I moved to San Francisco, I moved to Florida from Chicago because I planned to go to med school. And, um, when I got to, I remember I got to Florida, I was, you know, I had just graduated from, from Illinois state university and I, I knew that I didn't want to be a doctor and I didn't want to go to school for another like 10 years or whatever it is. Um, and so I joined the, the startup in Florida where we were, um, originally like the, the business was, um, you know, we were it was a designated driver service in a way. So we would drive people home in their own car if they had been drinking. 
And I was really connected um, to the company's mission at the time because my dad was hit by a drunk driver and um, he suffered brain damage and he'll deal with hit with a mental illness from that for the rest of his life. Wow. Um, so yeah. And you know, I, 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 you know, one thing that I love about your podcast is people, you know, have a purpose behind what they're doing. And so for me, I became very invested in this company. Yeah. And even though, um, it was, it had started and over the years, the company started to transition its business model a little bit. And, um, I was living out in San Francisco and, um, we were no longer like heavily focused on the designated driving aspect of the business. We were focused on something else. And when Janet shared with me her vision, I was in one of those cross sections where I wasn't really fulfilled in my career anymore. I was ready to, you know, jump in and do something new. And I had just spent about five years um, learning how to scale a really operations logistics heavy business, yeah. which is what we've turned our business into being like a very full service um, logistics platform for women's clothing. And the thing that connected me to Janet was when she shared, you know, I just want to figure out a way where I can like get back what I paid for my clothes. I remembered being about 12 years old and having taken a pair of overalls. Tommy Hilfiger overalls, they were like my nicest thing that I had that just didn't fit me anymore. And I took them into a, a store called the Plato's Closet. Oh, yeah. I know Plato's Closet. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I remember I walked in. It was like, you know, it was probably at the time maybe like $80 overalls or something. And I brought them to the counter. I wore them. I grew out of them pretty quickly. I had gone through a growth spurt. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to get you know, a lot of money back for these. And the lady behind the counter was said, I'll give you, I think something like $6 and my heart sank. And I was like, what, <laughs> you know? And like I had for the rest of my life, I've had this stigma and almost like a, like a resistance to the secondhand market because yeah. of this, like, you know, I don't know, like frustration I had with the way the model works. And so when Janet shared with me that she had an, an idea on a way where I could get 80 points for my $80 Tommy Hilfiger overalls back in the day so that I could get, you know, another $80 dress. I saw this business is, is brilliant. And I want to, you know, I want to be your co-founder. And so that's where, you know, the intersection came. And that first business meeting we ever had, Janet said, all right, Aaron, I'm going to, you know, meet me next. This was like the week after the barbecue. Let's meet up and have like a meeting and kind of talk to see if we can like move this thing forward. Janet was working out of the exact same office building as I was. So when I got the text message from her with the address of where to meet, we were literally in the same building. Oh, that's <laughs> I have been working in the same building for years. What a small <laughs> world. Right? So that's it. And I, the rest has been history. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay. So two things. I want to have the Plato's Closet conversation because I've got a Plato's Closet story. Uh, but before we do that, um, I want you guys to just briefly explain, for those that have not heard of Silk Roll, explain exactly what it is and how it works. Because this is the most unique thing I've ever heard of. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. So Silk Roll is a digital exchange for high-end women's fashion through a point earning system. Women can trade in clothes and handbags that they no longer want to use to earn points that they can then spend to refresh their entire closets without, you know, spending extra cash. Mm-hmm. 
So how it actually works is that you go onto our website and create an account and request a trading kit. We mail it to you with a free, you know, prepaid shipping label and a polymerial bag. You drop all the things that you don't want anymore, ship it back to us. And then we actually evaluate everything um, on, on site here and award you with points within a week. And you can then immediately start shopping with your points. Now, the points are valued based on the product's estimated retail value. Mm -hmm. That's how we start off, right? So if you send in a $300 dress, you're likely to earn 300 points. However, with um, over time, as we start to understand and develop our marketplace, we built in a uh, market demand valuation methodology, which means if you're sending us stuff that are actually in high demand, like Lululemon, like Lululemon <laughs> yoga wear, mm -hmm. which is like the most popular item on our site right now, you can actually earn double or triple points for them. Oh, right. I so. See. Yeah. yeah, so one piece of Lululemon tank, yoga tank top earns, what, 250 points now yeah. on our site <laughs> oh, versus, wow. versus the 70, 80 bucks that you will pay at a store. Yeah. So that allows us to incentivize our customers to send in um, desirable products because it gets them more points. At the same time, you know, our customers, the buyers, on the other hand, constantly have a great supply of, of great things that people want. Right. So it really builds into like an efficient market mechanism. Right. So we're, we're in the middle balancing um, the, the points and the points and values and customers who buy products from us, you know, technically it, it is sort of a bartering system. Once you get it with your points, it's yours to keep forever. Mm -hmm. But we actually encourage our customers to return things if they no longer want them or if they've worn them to like an occasion and they don't see themselves ever wearing this again. So we can recirculate it and, and let somebody else enjoy them. It's kind of like a, like a big fashion, you've been to a fashion swap, right, Molly? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you can imagine, we're basically like a hub for a massive fashion, ex massive, massive fashion swap. But instead of bring, instead of getting at a fashion swap, sometimes you'll get maybe like you'll bring a coach bag you haven't used in years, and then end up with like a Target sweater. That's the kind of mechanism we don't want to encourage because your coach bag is way more valuable than that, you know that lower level product. So we just right. created this fair value exchange system for people and then you can do it online. I have so many questions. This is so <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, uh, so as far as, I mean, I'm going to have to ask the question that I know all business owners listening are going to ask. And that is how do you as business owners make money doing this? If, if everything is based off of an exchange platform, what's yeah. sort of like the financial business model for you? Cause I'm, I'm curious and I know the other business yeah. owners listening are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So right now, uh, users can redeem their points by paying a 5% transaction fee. Okay. Just like, you know, frequent flyer miles, how right. you, you would use them. Or they can become a, a monthly subscriber and pay us a membership fee that waives them the service fees, oh. the transaction fees. So yeah. for the, the incentives for regular customers or people who trade a lot, they will save money by becoming a member. That totally makes sense. Yeah. 
And we also sell points as on uh, in bundles on the site. Should you say run out of points or don't have enough points for what you want, so you can make a the difference uh, with buying points purchases. Genius! That's so Everything genius. It's just like the freaking flyer miles. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so genius. Um, and then I also have to ask, like, as you were developing this, so you've been developing this this idea, and I know that to date. And I'm sure that after you film this video that this has gone up. But you guys have exchanged over a million dollars worth of product, which is incredible. Um, and I know that you really started with just sort of your network of, of personal contacts. But I'm just really interested, like, how long did it take you guys to really get up a good, you know, amount of inventory in the beginning? Like, what were sort of your strategies in the beginning for building up that inventory? Yeah, that's a great question, too, because, you know, with all marketplaces, there's always that chicken and egg issue, right? Until oh, you totally. get enough inventory, people don't want to come and shop on it. Yeah. So um, it it was with friends and family, like you said, it's, it's slow because everybody, you know, like one person will give us like 10 things, another 10 things, you know, it, it does take quite long. What we discovered is that as we're um, building the business, you know, I started noticing for first of all, like, all these consignment stores out there, right, resale stores, they actually have a lot of excess inventory that they haven't sold. Mm -hmm. and, they, they, uh, and the consigners don't want them back. So we knew that there's like this gap out there where all of these consignment stores are probably sitting on dead, it's dead inventory that they don't know what to do with. Because right. they got to refresh their stock every two to three months. And they constantly have new, new consigners who are coming into the store to consign stuff, right? Right. So we designed like a an email campaign that reached out to um, like over a thousand consignment stores that we actually found on the internet <laughs> and pitched them about this idea of, hey, if you want to give us all your dead inventory, you can earn points to shop on Silk Road and, you know, get things that you can actually sell uh, in your store. And it worked. Wow. <laughs> we... With the, 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 I remember like even to this day, the major one that we got was this one store in Walnut Creek, California. Email, California, emailed us back and said, hey, you know what? I have about 3,000 pieces of designer ga garments sitting in my garage that I've collected over the years. Do you want to come and get them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So. We literally went to, uh, you know, uh, his garage and <laughs> literally like went through. Uh, they were all sitting in these large garbage um, trash bags, right? Um, and some of them have been there for a long time, but they were very nice, high-end designer garments. So wow, <laughs> we collected like a lot of things there. And from that point onwards, it, it took off. We knew that there was like some there was like a opportunity with the consignment space that we we could actually tap into yeah so we emailed as many consignment sources as we could and now you know we've worked with i would say over 40 stores large and small who m majority of whom are still customers of ours today that's incredible it is a win-win situation yeah. you know we get inventory they get new stuff 
that they can sell. And because we're not consigning it to them, they don't have to pay us back the, you know, we don't, we don't uh, get the distribution. Right. We just charge them the membership fee or the, or the, or the transaction fee for redeeming their points. And, and I would say the most, when it, when you, when you say, wow, you guys have traded over a million dollars for the products, the, the end of the sentence should be in a, th- out of a 300 square foot studio. Oh yeah. I was, <laughs> that was actually going to be my next question is like, where do you guys house all of this, this inventory? You know, what has this process been like for you? Well, I can say, talk about that given I'm the yeah. combo for operations. So, you know, Janet, we, we got lucky that the stu- – so our studio space is in Union Square in San Francisco, which is a very, like, high-profile um, shopping area in the city. But we're, we're not a storefront. So we're at, like, the back of this office building off Market Street in San Francisco yeah. with really high ceilings. We got really lucky. <laughs> and um, the entire room is lined with three racks high – and um, every you know couple of months, we have to figure out where the heck we're going to put another rack in the room. But the reason that we're able to stay in such a small space is because um, we we spend you know majority of the week like specking like uh, curating the products and then photographing the products and then when we and then we list them on a Monday. So we just listed um, this week's products and literally all the orders are getting taken right now. All the products are getting taken. So then we'll spend the next you know, we'll spend some time filling all those orders and creating space again. So we're, we're, we truly are, you know, recirculating all of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Our stuff don't stay very long <laughs> in the stock at all. You know, some of them barely make it for 24 hours and then they're gone, you know, out the door. And that's really great. It really goes to show how engaged our um, customers are, you know, yeah. Some customers tell us that they have like reminders on their phones every Monday to <laughs> check through Silk Girl's new arrivals. That's so awesome. Oh, this is such an interesting and fun conversation with Janet and Aaron. And I just wanted to stop and take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who was able to help make the show possible. And that's Causebox. As you know, Causebox is my favorite ethical subscription box. And I have been a subscriber for two and a half years. How it works is each season, a new box is filled with everything from accessories and home goods and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they're also doing the most good. And each box delivers amazing value with a guarantee of over $150 worth of products for only $54.95. But if you use the coupon code MOLLY, you can get $15 off, making it $39.95. Now, the products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The amazing spring box, it just sold out. I know, I know, I know. But do not be dismayed. The summer box is releasing soon, and I just got a little sneak peek, and it's incredible. I cannot wait to see what all is inside. As you know, the impact of each cause box is what I love most about them, and in my opinion, makes the whole membership even more worth it. The previous spring cause box employed more than 600 artisans under fair trade conditions in India and Kenya, and put 100 young girls in India through school. To reserve your summer cause box, because I know this one's going to sell out too, go to stillbeingmolly.com slash cause box and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Now back to my conversation with Janet and Aaron. Janet, you really talked about this a lot is just the impact that you guys are having on keeping these garments out of the landfills, you know, and, and you're really, this is such a, a needed area in sustainability and, and fashion and, and keeping clothes fresh and and like I said out of the landfills because so often 
you know, people go and buy a garment from the mall and they wear it one, maybe two times. And then it gets either just like stuffed in the back of their closet and eventually they just donate it to Goodwill or they throw it away. And all of this excess just builds up. It doesn't just disappear. I mean, sometimes people, I think, have sort of the out of sight, out of mind attitude. Mm-hmm. And they think like, oh, yep. I, I throw my shirt in the trash or I t- donate it to Goodwill and that's it. And it's nope, that's actually not how it happens at all. And so you guys are really taking, you know, all these garments out of those landfills, out of the trash, out of Goodwill. And, you know, it, I love it. It's it's seriously a genius idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is really like one of the, you know, purpose driven. uh, This is the mission of our company. Really, our purpose is really ultimately to shift the way people consume fashion because it really is no longer sustainable. Mm -hmm. We didn't really do that much research at the beginning of what this industry is is creating or what the impact is at the very beginning. But once we started building the business, you know, we um, networked with people in the industry and then we even went, a, went on a tour at the Goodwill headquarters here in San Francisco. Yeah. That was the most eye-opening experience that we've ever had. And that shed a whole new light onto what are we doing here? You know, we went to the Goodwill and then did a tour and they told us 85% of all the clothing products that they receive in donations actually go to the landfill. Mm-hmm right off the bat simply because they don't have enough resources or staff or even store uh, room to, to, to sell everything in the, uh, in the Bay area alone, I think it was something like 14, 14 or the nine, nine. Yeah. How many pallets? Oh yeah. So, like okay. nine so imagine, pallets. well, if you imagine, look, it's just this ma- there's this massive conveyor belt of these clothes getting dumped into this massive, you know, like a trash compactor, but yeah. the size of a refrigerator is what it was compacting down to. And there's this conveyor belt just filling up this massive machine. It's compacting the clothes down. They're getting, they get wrapped up with this plastic and tossed into a truck. And the size of the pallet again is a refrigerator. Nine of those an hour in San Francisco alone were getting taken to the landfill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Insane. It's about 14 truckloads a day. That's insane. Yeah, that's yeah. so insane, and it's that yeah. is just in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! So, yeah, so at scale, you know, we're throwing out over, you know, like eleven million tons yeah. of garments. Yep. Um, a year, right? And that is like over eighty pounds per person, right? Per year, right? On average. Yeah, on average. Yeah. You know. So yeah. at scale, this this is really like the, the, the impact is huge. And, you know, most people aren't really aware of this, as you said, because it's not something that you, you look at every day. But fashion, the fashion industry itself is the second largest polluter in the world now yeah. after oil. And this includes, you know, the, 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 the pollution from the supply chain, um, you know, like all the dying and the chemicals and and all of that and and the amount of resources it takes to grow cotton and make t-shirts right so it takes about seven tons of water just to make one cotton t-shirt wow right and that is something that we you know are so used to just walking into you know forever 21 h&m buy buy it for 10 bucks and wear it once and then throw it out so the 
there's a huge, uh, you know, there's, there's damage really on both ends, really, right? Yeah. The manufacturing end and also the, the waste end. Yeah. So we want to close that loop, really, of getting people to recirculate their fashion so it doesn't go to the landfill. And once we create a habit of recirculating and getting things from the secondhand market, then we may not need to have the need to walk into Forever 21 all the time and buying you know, cheap, cheap stuff. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Now, when you guys receive product, how does it work as far as do you guys just sort of evaluate what is going to, you know, not sell, but be exchanged, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's damaged or if it's just not in fashion or what do you guys do with some of the stuff that you, you know, you, you really think like we can't put this on the site. Mm -hmm. So good question. So we, we accept almost 80, we do a pretty good job at educating our customers up front about what we take. So they're pretty good at, and we don't send it back to you. Yeah. So you've got to be pretty confident that what you're sending in is, you know, worth it. Yeah. So if we don't keep it though, um, what we do now is we bring the textile to ICO, which is a textile recycle repurposing. That's so what they do is awesome. they like, they'll shred it into insulation, um, or, and things like that. That's and we, great. and we do that, um, you know, we take stuff down there pretty frequently. That's awesome. And in addition, we also work with charity partners. So for things that are not in, you know, sort of are not damaged or stained or in detrimental stage, but because they're just fast fashion, right? We actually uh, work with local nonprofit partners that that support women's causes yeah. specifically. So we've worked with um, charities here that support women for uh, victims of human trafficking, mm. also women who have just been released from jail and are trying to reintegrate into society. Yeah. So all of these, you know, charities actually need a lot of clothes to um, support these women to, in- re- to reintegrate. Yeah. So everything that we receive, whether it gets listed or not, we know that it ends up, you know, good, you know somewhere good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's incredible. And I love that you guys are not only contributing to, you know, or or also helping to educate customers as far, you know, as far as what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, working with those nonprofit partners and textile recycling, that's, yeah, that's incredible. I love it. Now, I want to go back because I had briefly mentioned that I wanted to have a conversation about Plato's Closet. I was waiting. I had to to laugh because, okay, so (laughs) Uh, the the readers of my blog and and I've kind of you know in passing mentioned this on the podcast, but um, when I was in college, I made some very uh, poor financial decisions, and I literally paid for it after college when I was in thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. Um, and for a couple of years, as I was paying off that debt, I was so broke, like beyond broke, and. I one of the ways that I would, um, you know, buy new clothes was I would take them to to Plato's closet. I would take like old clothes to Plato's closet, sell them, and then whatever I made, I would you know buy new stuff with, or just do like the store credit thing. And I remember yeah. there were times where I was taking those expensive goods that I had you know, made extremely poor financial choices buying. Um, And I would take them like, you know, a $300, you know, Millie of New York dress. And they'd be like, hi, yeah, we'll give you $4 for that. And I'm like, 
uh, what? Like $4. Like I bought this thing for $300 from Saks, you know, and then I would just mm-hmm. choke a little bit. But years later, um, I, and I, I eventually got to know like some of the local buy, you know, buy sell pages so I could, you know, a seller can sign my stuff for a little bit of a higher value, but mm-hmm. still not even anywhere close to what I paid for it. But, um, but I remember the last time I ever went into Plato's closet and I was maybe, I don't know, I had just had my daughter, my, my first daughter or my first child. Um, and so I was, I was like 20, I was still 28 at the time. And I go in with a bag of stuff to the Plato's closet near my house. And I had my daughter with me. And it was nice clothes. Like there was some J. Crew in there. There was some, you know, Loft, some Ann Taylor, some Banana Republic. Like there was good, there was good stuff in there. Um, and, or, or even like some of my designer stuff, like Theory and Seven for All Mankind jeans and things like that. Yeah, yeah those are all popular stuff on <laughs> <Right>. our site. <laughs> right, right. So totally. I go, yeah. I go back to pick up what they to see what they were going to take or not take. They handed me back everything I gave them, and they were like, "Your clothes are a little too mature for us." And I was like, "Mature? I'm twenty. What is it? Because I'm a mother. Like, do you not want mom styles? How dare you?" But I just remember like being so offended because they were basically telling me I was too old to be in Plato's closet. <laughs> I was so mad. I was just like, what do you mean mature? It's like, this is good stuff. Like, that is so you, funny. What do you mean your teeny boppers don't want my my seven for all mankind jeans? Like, what do you mean they want Forever 21? Like, was, anyway, so that was the last time I went to a Plato's, or Plato's closet. And then I eventually found Clothes Mentor. But I still, like, I remember I took some stuff, some of that same stuff to Clothes Mentor. And I was baffled at what they were trying to offer me for some of these really expensive garments so yeah well that's and that's the thing it's like you know that's how that's the dinosaur industry that the consignment I mean this this market has been the consignment store industry has essentially taken over the barter system which was around for you know eons before you know and then all yeah. of a sudden it shifted into this resale space and we're just trying to take back the barter system yeah for everybody <laughs> yeah I know. yeah I think it's awesome I think it is so genius and yeah I can't wait to try it out because I'm I'm like I said I'm so blown away at what you guys are doing so um so for people that are looking to try it out how do they do that Right. So it's very easy. You come onto our website, which is just silkworld.com. You create a new account and request a trading kit from us. Once we receive the kit, uh, sorry, once you receive the kit, all you have to do is fill it up with clothes and drop it off at the mail. And we will, uh, you know, give you, we'll, we'll award you with points and you start shopping. It's as simple as that. That is awesome. Another question I should ask is, do you guys carry all sizes? So everything from very small to, you know, up into plus size. Do you guys have or are you are there certain sizes that you're looking for more of? So if people know that they have these, you know, pieces in these, you know, high demand sizes, you know, what what kind of sizes do you carry and and who should send in what? (laughs) 
we carry all sizes, all the way from zero to, you know, we've got some 16 plus, uh, plus right, that, even. That, yeah. So we don't, uh, we don't discriminate um, awesome. on that at all. You're welcome to send in whatever size that you have. All sizes, I would say, are popular on the site because um, uh, the variety of our users are, you know, they're, it's varied. Uh, now we're national, it's a national service. So we have users across you know the country and people have different preferences and and different sizes and different styles so we take them all now the thing for us though is that uh we only take on high quality products Mm -hmm. right so we don't we strictly don't do brands such as forever 21 or gap or h&m and those kind of those kind of brands mm-hmm. um and we strictly don't take things that are damaged or, or stained or or really pilled right like worn out but as long as they're in great condition they're high quality then you know we take them all the funny thing is that until we list them on the site we never really know what's popular, what's not. That's the funny thing. Right. <laughs> we would actually be sitting here, you know, the team would go, no, I don't know if this will look, I don't know if this will make the cut if people want it. Actually, more than often enough, those are the type of things that actually sell the fastest. Yeah. You just you, you just never know um, because our customers are not from one specific location or age group. Our customers, you know, we... Uh, you know, their age, the age range is really varied. Uh, we have people as young as in their early mid twenties, all the way to their mid fifties using the service. And older even. Yeah. yeah. And what we find, cause we're growing. So what we'll find is, um, if one week we have this, like say this week's customers, there's a lot of people that were like a lot of plus sizes and what's on the new arrivals is a lot more plus sizes. What we'll see then is a whole bunch of people will request bags that are that size. So it's like people, you know, so it's just kind of becoming an influx. Yeah. And then, you know, so then some, if one week we list things that are a lot of like smalls and mediums and we'll see that week, a bunch of people that are that size requesting bags. And, you know, so we're obviously committed to having it completely fair, like, like a really large stock of inventory of all sizes, because that's what has makes it possible for everyone to participate. And people are constantly changing sizes too. So, right, right. Right. It doesn't fit you. Get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess I should also ask this. You know, you, you mentioned that you really only take a lot of the higher end brands. Do you guys also take a lot of ethical fashion brands? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, we already have quite a bit of ethical fashion brands um, on listed on our site. And, you know, these obviously in, in volume wise, these are we have less of those simply right. because they make less of them. But we definitely welcome um, ethical and sustainable fashion brands onto the site. Yeah, it's basically whatever's going to last through multiple trades is what we'll take. Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, I am so excited about this and I can't wait to tell everybody about it. I can't wait to try it out for myself and clean out my closet because I think it's, like I said, I think it's incredible. Um, But before we wrap up here, because this has been such a fun conversation, um, I, this is my favorite part of the show where I get to ask you guys just a couple of fun questions to get to know you a little bit better. And this is also my favorite part of the show because my husband who edits my shows, he puts in a fun little sound effect to 
transition <laughs> us. And every week, I don't know what it's going to be. It becomes like a big surprise. <laughs> and the listeners, it's funny because I'll get messages on social media about <laughs> the different sound effects my husband chooses because they're like, I'll be driving along. And then all of a sudden I hear whatever he puts in and I just start laughing. So they're like, thank you for this little <laughs> comedic moment of the week. So are you guys ready for kind of the bonus get to know you round? Go for it. We're ready. You can't wear a tank top two days in a row and you can only wear your hair in a ponytail once a week. So I guess you pick today. Oh, and we only wear jeans or track pants on Fridays. Now, if you break any of these rules, you can't sit with us at lunch. Well, I mean, not just you, like any of us. Okay, like if I was wearing jeans today, I would be sitting over there with the art freaks. Okay, so this first question, these both or all of these questions are going to go to both of you. First is if you could steal credit for any great piece of art, song, film, book, anything like that, which would you claim credit for? (laughs) Shoot, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick Janet? I would say because I use it all the time, the barcode. I don't know if that's a piece of art and technology. The barcode? Is that an option? <laughs> sure. It can be anything you want. I love it. <laughs> the barcode? I'm taking, uh, yeah, I'm taking credit for the barcode. The barcode. <laughs> I, I scanned so many barcodes a day. That's hysterical. <laughs> I love it. Hey, you are what or you, you, you take what you know or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, um, what about you, Janet? I really like, you know, the, the life-changing magic of tidying up. Oh, yeah. Marie Kondo. Yes. Totally. Totally. That's perfect. You totally schooled my answer. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. So the next one is, if we were to hook up your recently played playlist on Spotify to the show, what song would we hear? Oh, yeah. That's that's an easy one for me. Despacito. <laughs> or any reggaeton song yeah, we're always by Daddy Yankee. We're always <laughs> listening to reggaeton in the office. <laughs> we're a Chinese and a white girl dancing to reggaeton in our office. <laughs> awesome. I love it. All right. So uh, the next question is, what is one beauty product you can't live without? I would say it's my cream shadow. It's a dark purple cream shadow from Bobby Brown Ooh. that I've been using for years. That's Your good. Eye shadow? Yeah, it's like yeah, a she cream wears it every shadow, day. but I wear it like almost <laughs> like an eyeliner. Awesome. awesome. That's awesome. What about you, Erin? Um, definitely. I mean, for like a beauty product, it would be my, I don't know, I use this like, I don't even know what brand it is. I've had it forever, but I pencil my eyebrows with this like eyeshadow. Oh, yeah. Me too. I use an eyeshadow for my eyebrows. I don't even know. Maybe it's MAC or I don't know. I should probably be using something. When this thing runs out, I'll definitely be getting a more ethical brand. But yeah, it's like this like ashy eyebrow thing. I don't like to leave the house without. I mean, you can barely tell that I even have it have it on, but I think it makes a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's like my for me, if I don't have any makeup on or if I like if I'm leaving the house and I have no time to do anything, I'm at least going to fill in my eyebrows and put on mascara. Like yeah. it, it just makes me look awake. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And like a human being. (laughs) All right. And my last question, and I wanted to ask this of you guys, since you work, you know, with so many clothes day in and day out, what is your favorite ethical fashion brand or just your favorite fashion brand? Like everything they produce, you love and you want to wear. Um, These days, you know, like just a regular fashion brand is probably Lululemon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not, not just because it sells so well on our site, but I really love. Um, I because I'm very outdoorsy and I love being active. 
Um, and since, you know, living, moving to California, you know, this has become like athleisure has become like my new sort of outfit of the day. Um, totally. In terms of like ethical brands, I actually really like Reformation. Oh, yeah. They've done a really good job combining, uh, you know, the mission side of it versus like the branding and also the design. They've got some edgy, new, interesting looking designs. So I think they've done very well. That's awesome. What about you, Erin? Uh, I'm trying to think of what I would pick. We've been getting some like really cool stuff into the office lately. You know, I've been I've been really liking groceries apparel. Yeah. Every time we get their stuff in, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is it's just funky. Yeah. And like, you know, but but and then like there's like tons of like perfect staples, but there's like a little bit of an edge to them. I don't know. I really like that brand. No, that is a great example. I actually got my first dress from them in the fall, um, right before we went on our Disney cruise. And I wore that dress like almost every day on the cruise. And it, but it's been that it's been so cold, and I haven't really been able to wear it. And so I cannot wait till it like the weather really, really, mm. really warms up for good. Because this is North Carolina, so like one day it's. 80 90 degrees and then the the next day it's snowing so I don't know it's just like (laughs) but I know it is going to be on repeat this summer it's just it's so like you said it's it's like a basic but kind of a funky basic if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and then the other one that for summer I think is gonna be is and we just started getting this brand in is Maya Miko yes 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 and they they use a lot of like um like uh, African wax prints and things yeah. like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, I mean, their, their stuff is so cool. I'm like, what is this? So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely, I'm branching out my, you know, what I would typically pick out. <laughs> Cause I get to, you know, I get to try all these random funky things that come into the office. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, Aaron and Janet, this has been so much fun. I have loved having you on the show and I am so excited for what you're doing with Silk Roll and I cannot wait to see it continue to grow and the impact that you guys are going to have on, you know, the positive impact you're going to have on the fashion industry and the positive impact you're going to have on the lives of so many women who get to have a fun new closet just by trading in their clothes. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. So thank Thanks you for having us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. This pleasure. was really fun. See, I told you. Now you know I was not lying when I said I think Silk Roll is an absolutely genius idea. I loved this conversation with Janet and Aaron, and I cannot wait to see how Silk Roll grows and continues to evolve. And I'm so excited because I'm trying Silk Roll out for myself for the first time this month. I will have all of their information, including how to try Silk Roll, in the show notes. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, and now Spotify, or whichever podcasting app you like best, And make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This latest review from Suzanne means so much to me. Suzanne says, Molly's podcast is one of my favorites. Not only informative and view changing, she is funny and genuine. I feel like she is my friend, though we have never met. 
Molly encourages you to live your best life and while you're at it, help your neighbor and the world. I hope you listen because the world needs a little more Molly these days. Thank you so much for that review, Suzanne. It really, it honestly does completely make my day. As always, if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show was edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.